Shalom. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I am Shmuley Yanklowitz, President and Dean of Valley Beit Midrash. Here at VBM, we strive to bring you only the highest quality of Jewish learning. Bringing pluralistic and innovative Jewish programming to the Jewish community that craves substance and insight is our passion. But we cannot do it alone. To support our endeavors, please consider donating a tax-deductible contribution to our organization. By doing so, you will be supporting meaningful Jewish educational content, funding the next generation of leaders, as well as furthering Jewish wisdom to people all over the country and all over the world. Please visit www.valleybaitmadrash.org. Thank you so much and enjoy the program. is a leadership development scholar and practitioner living in Boston, currently serving as the chief program officer at the New Politics Leadership Academy, previously serving as the vice president of leadership development at City Year, completed his doctorate at the Harvard Graduate School of Education. As the alum of four amazing service programs where I met him and he became quickly became a mentor and teacher of mine. Um, and is the author of this amazing book that we're going to discuss today, Race and Social Change, A Quest, A Study, and A Call to Action. I could think of a few books more relevant and important for our time today. So thanks, Dr. Cloud, for taking time to talk. Thank you for having me. So just to jump off, I know the idea of awakening is very central to your book, and I wonder uh, what that means for you and why you think it's important. Sure. So, you know, the subtitle of the book is A Quest, A Study, A Call to Action. And the quest refers to my own experience. I grew up middle-class, straight, white kid in a, you know, Connecticut suburb, passionate about race. But for the first, you know, quarter of my life, I was really surrounded by people with my own experience. And what I found in my own journey to understand race was it was this process of awakening. It was not, let me learn facts and figures and read a book. It was gaining some new consciousness about a reality in which I had always been immersed but could not perceive. And you know that personal quest led ultimately to the academic research at the heart of this book that I'll talk about in a bit. But um, again and again, we're confronted with this idea that to really understand how, how race and social change works, um, it's not just downloading facts. It really is awakening to a higher consciousness of something that we're a part of, but it's hard to perceived without real effort. Amazing. So can you tell us a little bit about the study that's at the heart of your book and how did you first connect with it and why did you choose to dedicate years of your life to, to studying it? Sure. As I mentioned, I've always been passionate about race. I, I know it's a very important issue in America and divisive and kind of central to our history and I've always had a passion to understand it. I just always felt like I did not understand how you know, how things could happen and so many people could have such different perspectives. And that kind of personal curiosity led ultimately to an academic career, to pursuing a doctorate. And I was studying youth leadership, trying to understand how different programs taught youth leadership and understood youth leadership. And it was on that research that I really stumbled upon a program called Camp Anytown, which is a week-long residential youth leadership program for a very diverse group of usually about 40 high school students. And they come together for a week of really intense exploration of isms like racism and sexism and anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, uh, just a lot of that stuff. And it's very powerful, but there was one event on the last day that really changed the course of my life. And what happens was the kids wake up and gather in a circle before breakfast as they did every day. 
But on this last day, something really unusual happened. The directors told them to get into different groups, whites, Asians, Jews, Latinos, LGBTQ, Blacks. And they told them very sternly, don't talk to members of other groups and don't make eye contact with members of other groups. And you have to stay together. And then they, they brought them into breakfast and the white kids went first and had unlimited food and a big table. And every group lower in the hierarchy had kind of less resources until the black kids were sitting on the floor with very little food. And it turns out this was, they call it the, the separation exercise. And it is an attempt to simulate uh, a, a Jim Crow style, unjust hierarchical segregated social system. But the educational purpose was to give participants a chance to practice challenging these systems. And between breakfast and lunch that day, what I saw happen were events that in some really amazing ways mirrored uh, real life events of the, the real life civil rights movement. And I realized here was a chance to kind of study in a Petri dish, a civil rights movement um, with you know something close to empirical rigor. So I just decided this is what I needed to focus my dissertation on in the next you know few years of my life were dedicated to seeing more of these and, and analyzing them and understanding them. Awesome. So I know one of the findings was around um, the need for us to more uh, deeply manage our dark emotions and, um, you know, emotions like guilt or anger um, in, in, as part of our work for social change, that it's not just the rallies and the like and the petitions, but actually right. that inner work. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So, you know, that system, it's, it's, it's terrible. It's really painful. Um, unfair, unequal, you know, just reading about it, many readers find it un really unpleasant and difficult to read about it. And certainly to be in the experience is challenging. For people at the top of the system, there's a lot of guilt and shame when they realize what's going on in this system where they have all this privilege that they might not have asked for it, but they have it. And for people lower in the system, there's a lot of anger, it's not fair. And so really for everybody in the system, although the emotions are, are definitely different in some way there is this what do we do with the, the dark emotions evoked by seeing the truth of these systems and um you know it, it, it came through as kind of one of the the key challenges the inner work of confronting these systems is to see it clearly but not be so consumed with anger that that we act out of anger or so consumed out of with guilt that we act in a way that is designed to make us feel better and not actually be of service and you know what what I came to was ultimately we have to find a way to be of service to, to the system as a whole and work with our dark emotions. We, we need them. They, they're important and, and real and we, you know, we can't get rid of them, but we do have to find a way to hold them in balance so that we ultimately operate from a place of love and service. Mm, mm, love it. So, so your, your book ends with um, a dual call to action, both for individuals and for the nation as a whole to heal around our historic divides around race. And I wonder if you can tell us a little bit about those two related calls to action. Sure, well, you know, I ended with this idea of there are things we can do. And uh, I call it a dual call to action because there's personal and there's national. And the personal is, you know, the fact is we each wake up every day and really the only person we control in this is ourselves. And so the, the personal call to action is to take what I call the hero's journey, which is really informed by, you know, Joseph Campbell, step out of your familiar, comfortable place, which is really, a, you know, this separation exercise is this metaphor. These kids are in these comfortable, you know, communities with people just like them. And, and the moment you step out of that, you confront the injustice of the system. And so you have to take that journey, step out of your comfort zone, 
and engage across these boundaries and begin to work on the system. And the truth is everybody's in a different place. For some people, they need to take their first baby steps out of their, their bubble, their comfort zone. Other people are ready to run for Congress. They've been working on this stuff for years. Um, and it's really, everybody knows what their own kind of challenge zone is. It's an invitation personally to step, in, step out of what's comfortable and, and get uncomfortable in confronting this. But these problems have been around since the dawn of our country and big problems require big solutions. And I do think kind of as a national policy solution, national service of engaging all young people in a year of service, pull everybody out of their bubble. They have to work alongside people from different backgrounds um, with different beliefs and experiences and work on something that is good for the greater, you know, the country as a whole. And I do think if we, if we did that, we can begin to weave together the civic fabric of our country from a kind of institutional policy perspective at a scale that is required to address kind of the long history and, and impact of racism in our country. Love it. Love it. So, um, uh, beyond the systems of oppression and injustice that exist and are in place that have to be dismantled or, or tweaked, um, how do you understand the suffering that is involved with, with racism today? How, and, and zooming out even further, how do you understand the issue of suffering that's, that's a part of the national experience uh, as it's playing right, uh, right now? And what do you think our role as white allies um, ought to be in the alleviation of that suffering. You, you talked a little bit about what we can do nationally and a little bit about addressing our own personal inner world. Yes. But when we, how do we collectively address the suffering that's kind of underlying both the national and personal experience? Such a powerful question. One headline is to understand these systems is to instantly grapple with how to not be overwhelmed by the magnitude of the pain caused by these systems. Um, they're, they're unjust, they constrain opportunities for millions of people. You know, and th this separation exercise is a little microcosm of systems that are at work in, in the world. And, you know, for the, for the people of color who are, you know, kind of marginalized and, and oppressed in these systems, it's so much pain, so many ways they're made to feel other and less than. But also, it's important to say the system dehumanizes uh, white people with privilege as well. And, um, creates this disconnection um, from our own emotions, creates a sense of incredible guilt and shame for people who see how unfair this is and how we benefit in ways that we might not have chosen, but we get, whether we like it or not. And um, the, the suffering is so profound. And I think what we're seeing in our country is like, it's kind of reaching a, like a, a boiling pot. If we don't choose a different path and confront it directly, we are getting to the limits of how much of this we can just hold um, without finding a, a different way to work on it. And what I have found in my life is to turn towards it instead of turn away from it and to choose to work on it in genuine partnership with a genuine sense of we are in this together. We need to be of service to a whole that is larger than ourselves. There is actually joy in that. It's actually ennobling and um, and, and joyful, you know, the work I've done at City Year and in my service programs to be helping people, recognizing how limited our ability to make changes, but the fact that we can do something and to connect, it's, uh, it's really joyful. And, uh, and when, when we think about some of the big problems we have, our educational inequality and criminal justice, and to actually work on that in a productive way could be a path towards uniting and connecting and living out our highest values as individuals and as a country. Um, and rather than avoiding the suffering, which I think is 
something the country has been done, doing. It's a reason why it's so hard to talk about this stuff is because it evokes so much pain. What if we were to turn together towards it and begin to work on it? Um, and maybe we can begin to reduce some of that suffering. Yeah. Amazing uh, and very, very inspiring message. Thank you. And uh, friends, uh, check out this book. It is the cross-section of developmental psychology and moral development, leadership and politics and social change issues rooted empirically and in theory, um, race and social change, Dr. Max Cloud. Thank you so much. Keep up your wonderful Thank work. Thank you so much. Appreciate it.